You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome to 3AM, where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. I'm one of your hosts, DJ Pasikala. What's the scariest thing that you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3AM is the result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience, the validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. Yo, what's up, guys? What up? <laughs> I thought you were talking to the listeners. <laughs> Hi. How are you? Dude, so good. How are you, Sean? So good. I'm, I'm good, too. Oh, how are you, DJ? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing well. Nice. I'm excited. Um, how was your guys' week? Pretty cool. Yeah? Yeah. Tell me why. Uh, well, I was actually supposed to go out of town. I was supposed to go to Maine with my wife and go exploring in Acadia, see all the leaves changing. When I get a text and it says Kanye West is coming to Salt Lake City. So I immediately text DJ and I don't say anything and I just say, we have to go. And he instantly knows what I'm talking about without me even saying Kanye. Because <laughs> I'm the biggest Kanye West fan west of the mississippi and we end up going <laughs> yeah that so it's anticlimactic it, it's so exciting for us we had a good group of people maybe like 12 or 13 people um and we're all singing along and raising our hands to the heavens feeling that <laughs> spirit bro feeling that holy spirit bro uh kanye did jesus walks Ooh, that, was that one that fire. was the most lit part of the whole event yeah. the choir was fascinating you know when you have that strong black gospel choir, almost like a what's that old movie with Whoopi Goldberg? There's a few Sister of them. Act. Sister Act, yeah, Sister Cause. Act. That's how it felt, bro. Oh, happy day! Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> how it felt. And everybody's just into it. At least in our group. You oh know? yeah. Oh no, everyone. Was I into imagine it. if they're there, then they're probably into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think some people were disappointed, expecting more of a Kanye West concert. There was these high school kids next to us, and they're like, "When's he gonna rap?" I was like, have you not heard you know what a what Sunday, Sunday service, service is? Yeah. Bruh. I was getting annoyed with Yeah, them. I know some people weren't like the happiest with the choir, but it's like Kanye contracted this. Like he's Also, how much did together. you pay to do this? Yeah. Uh, nothing. It was, it was all free, free too. <laughs> yeah. So like you can't complain. The weather was perfect. Uh-huh. I was in a hoodie. I was rocking one of his uh, Kidsy Ghost <laughs> merch hoodies. Um, oh, dude, the first thing you and I texted when we heard is, bro, what are you going to wear? <laughs> <laughs> I recently sold my Yeezys, so I don't have any Yeezys anymore, mm. uh, but I had that hoodie. Broke boy. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast ain't paying us. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, have to, we have to sell what we own. <laughs> um, nah. Um, what were you talking about? Welcome to the 3 a.m. podcast. <laughs> my name is DJ. My name is Charlie. My name is Sean. And we love Kanye West. Okay. <laughs> Sean. Uh, uh, just tag him in it too. We'll see if we get any. Oh, snap. oh, maybe. Bro, Kanye, you got any ghost stories, dog? Come oh, and tell us. Sh- you know, kids see ghosts sometimes. Kids see oh ghosts my sometimes. Gosh. <laughs> no. 
That should be the name of our new podcast. Uh, you went on a hike, though, this weekend, didn't you? A hike. You went outdoor exploring. Didn't really go on any hikes. I just went for a drive back Alpine Loop. Oh, nice. okay. And how was it? It was very colorful. All them leaves is turning. All kinds of colors from yellow to green to red. And there was a sunset at the same time. Oh, Ooh. beauty. It might be my favorite time of the year, to be honest, fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got for Halloween, Utah. you got hoodies, and you got colorful leaves. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, I was wearing my hoodie, the weather, and like I didn't take it off once because the weather was cool enough, yeah, yeah, not hot enough. But the weather this time of year is perfect. Um, True. I haven't been up to Alpine Loop yet. It's very <laughs> at colorful. This time. DJ and I were talking about how both of our fashion game just gets so much better in fall, and it's like, bro, layers. We just <laughs> layers are our jam, that's, bro. That's my steez. <laughs> That's Layers. not even like any outdoor activities we got to do yet, like a corn maze or like a mm. like a pumpkin patch <laughs> or I don't know, some Halloween exploring like the other day when we went to that cemetery. Oh, yeah. Very exciting. October has been fun so far, for me at least. And we hope so. it has been for you as well. We hope. I hope your guys' week is going well. I'm excited to share some stories. But first, we're going to do... A little bit of questions and we don't have the question jar we're going to do something different okay hmm. so this week's question is who is the scariest person you've ever met i'm very privileged and happy to say that the scariest person i've ever met was also the least scariest person i've ever met and he goes by the name of mr kimbo slice <laughs> <laughs> uh he's terrifying he <laughs> he's is terrifying on youtube was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was terrifying. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah, he did pass away. Kimball Slice, if you don't know, was an internet phenomenon in the mid to late 2000s <laughs> for street fighting. And right. that might sound wild because it is. In fact, it was so wild that this dude got contracted by the UFC to start fighting. Officially. Because, because of his infamous knockout videos yeah, on YouTube. Because of how well he did in these street fights. Just knocking people out bigger than him. This dude literally built like Kerjack from Tarzan. Yeah, <laughs> like a Hummer. <laughs> and he he's just like a a six foot cinder block. Oh gosh! And his hands are the size of like milk jugs. And this big burly black dude, chest hair and all. Where'd you meet him? Huge beard. And uh, I met him in Six Flags in New Jersey. (laughs) Yeah, when I graduated from high school in 2010, me and my best friend slash cousin, our graduation gift was to go to New York. His older brother was attending Princeton at the time, which is in New Jersey. So we stayed with him in New Jersey, and during the day we would catch a train to New York. And that was honestly so much fun. But we went to Six Flags one day, and they had a meet and greet with Kimbo Slice there. Classy. (laughs) Classy, New Jersey. We didn't pay to go see him. We were standing on the edge, and he was like 20 feet away, and like we yelled hi at him, and he said hi back, and he asked how our day was, and he was all smiles. Really, really nice. (laughs) Just watching him take pictures with people, he just seemed like super like gracious and cordial. So you're like, oh, you're not a murderer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like in all his videos, like there's one video where somebody got him so good, it looked like his eye was popping out of his head. Oh. 
just blood all over his face, but he still uh. won the fight. And that was Kimbo Slice. Sean, do you have any? Um, I don't remember ever being like scared of someone when I met them. But I remember thinking about a coworker back in the day, like this guy could shoot the place up. And so I made extra uh, attempts to be nicer to him. He just had those like Joker vibes or what? He had like those vibes. Like one day if he got mad enough, he'd show up with an AK. Yikes. So you got to befriend him so he gives you a, a hall pass. Pretty much. I was, well, I was actually his direct boss. So <laughs> You're like, hey, you want 15 minutes break today? Like extra? Go for it, bro. You good. But you hey, good, just go bro. home. I'll just clock out for you. <laughs> go up behind him when he's like got his shoes and socks off, picking at his toenails. And I'm oh, like, okay. Yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. I'm getting some complaints, but no worries. Like you take your time. <laughs> what other freaky stuff did he do? Uh that that was the freakiest thing that was just the weirdest thing but he also just had a weird way of talking like it was really slow and like it was just weird it was weird so i don't know i've met a lot of interesting people and in high school i allegedly used to write on things um so i met a lot of interesting people on in that field the first person that came to mind is this kid who I used to play four square with in fourth grade. Fast forward to high school and I hear said kid murdered someone 10 a.m. at a gas station. So that might be one of the top people that I know of. I don't know. But was he good in Foursquare? <laughs> I murdered him in Foursquare. <laughs> That's where it all started. Yeah. I don't know. I think the scariest thing is I'm sure I have met the scariest person and I just don't know who it is. You know, it's probably like a normal interaction, but they had some demons or something. Okay. All right. It's Halloween week. We have some good stories for you. So. I have one to kind of warm up. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, we want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3 a.m., and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3 a.m. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland news producer, and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mahalovic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. 
I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast, killer podcasts, and slow burn media production. Subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows. The crowd here. (laughs) Warm them. All right, so this one is a horror play. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Shut your damn mouth. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, this one is from a kid whose town had a summer camp. And apparently this camp that was run was almost like a chain. They had like... KOA? Almost, yeah, like KOA it's or like the like, Denny's of camps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the IHOP of camps. TGI camps. camping. Yeah. <laughs> and it was for youth. And these camps went like extended out of the US. Like they were in other countries. And then the cool part about this camp is that it was also kind of like an exchange program too. Where you could go to the other camps. Even counselors could switch to different camps. Were oh. these concentration camps? <laughs> was this an Epstein camp? Were these <laughs> internment camps? No, they were regular youth camps. <laughs> but this story might suggest otherwise. Um, there was a counselor from the Russian camp. Oh, just him. Just a single Russian counselor. First of all, I feel like everyone in Russia is permanently camping. <laughs> <laughs> so this is just like glamping. glamping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At this point, they're just like upgrade. The first word they used to describe him was fast. Hmm. So take that as you may. But they said he would. He was just so extremely fast. He would catch skin and eat live rabbits. With his bare hands. Wait, wait, eat live rabbits? Okay, he would catch them. Okay, this is this all. This is all in one movement. That that. <laughs> That's what I imagine. One fluid dog. moment. This is all that was told. So, I'm just telling it to you how it was told to me. Uh, but yeah, this is how apparently how fast he was. <laughs> um, he was also well known throughout the camp for having this like sleeper hold where he would like choke the bunnies. choke people oh people or like yeah he would like choke them knock them out for like a few seconds and then after a minute they come out of it and they're normal have you ever done something like that growing up yes yeah like there's the one where like you breathe like you cross your hands over <laughs> your chest and then yeah you let go of you exhale and then Someone somebody like, like lays on you or pushes on you. Yeah. So that's what I imagined. But this dude did it through like choking people. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so like everyone's kind of stoked about it. Um, they tried on one of the counselors and it works perfectly fine. He knocks out for like 10 seconds and then after a minute he comes back to his senses. But uh, they, I just want to say kids are dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they really Having are. been a dumb kid. Kids are dumb, bro. Yeah. <laughs> But um, for some reason, that practice gets banned throughout the camp. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they, tell him, fun. they tell him you can't do that. You can keep the rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They don't say anything about the rabbits, but you can't choke these counselors and these kids. <laughs> uh, the kids think it's dope, and they all want to try it. So they keep asking him to, to try it, and he does in secret. Oh, my god! Behind all the other counselors' backs. I'll choke you in secret. Yes, exactly. And apparently 
the more he does it, the longer he holds them, the longer they're knocked out for. But they always come back. They always come back. But he just prolongs how long he does it for after time. Until. (laughs) Until they woke up one morning, two people were missing. One of the attendees and the Russian counselor. The whole camp is in pandemonium. Everyone finds out super quickly. They rush everyone together in one group and get them on like the soccer field. And they make sure everyone's there. They have a few people watching over them and they have the rest of the other counselors and leaders searching everywhere. They're looking, they're looking, they're looking. It actually only takes about 20 to 30 minutes to finally find the kid. They find him underneath the dock, out cold, but still alive. Oh my gosh. But they can clearly see marks around his neck. And they know, just putting two and two together. Those are Russian marks. (laughs) Those are (laughs) Russian marks. (laughs) Um, They find the guy, call the cops, they arrest him, and they send him back to Russia. The camp continues. Totally fine. But they call the Russian camp. They're talking to them. They explain the whole situation. Turns out... They never sent a Russian counselor. Oh, gosh. Nobody knew who this guy was. Oh. <laughs> oh. I mean, if you really think about it, <laughs> per your story earlier, it's pretty easy to just pretend you are somebody. <laughs> and- <laughs> what are you referring to? Kanye, bro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. There you go. Yikes, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I read or I got through that whole story just like, this is crazy. Yeah. You know, (laughs) and this is something that could definitely happen, I feel like. And then the last part. Where they say nobody knew who it was. We never sent a counselor to your camp. <laughs> like stupid American. <laughs> <laughs> Igor is here. <laughs> I can't do Russian. Uh, Damn, bro. <laughs> yeah. So that was the Russian counselor camp story. Yeah. How you read that? You said he would catch skin and, and eat. eat. And I thought he was like, like flakes of skin. And like, oh, oh, no, because he gross, would catch skin dude. and eat dead rap. And I, was I like, heard catch skin, but like in one motion, like catch, he'd have to like snap their neck and like rip pull it their off. skin back and then eat almost like a live like rabbit buffalo wild wing. <laughs> but the flats, you know how you yes, like you twist it and pull the one bone out. I pictured that <laughs> in my head, but with a bunny rabbit. <laughs> okay, I have a, th- a thought. I would feel. Like so violated on so many levels. If I found that out as a camper, like mm. who is vetting these uh, 
counselors, dude. You just letting anyone in here? If I'd be pissed. I was not one of the foolish children that went to him to go be choked out. I would feel violated <laughs> because otherwise you did that to yourself. True. I mean, but you you trusted and assumed that this effing camp True, true. Didn't hire some <laughs> random psycho. First of all, commie psycho. <laughs> Trying to bring in that regime. <laughs> yeah. And then he always called them comrade. <laughs> yeah. Didn't know what to do. <laughs> bring me the vodka <laughs> and I will choke you. <laughs> he probably thought he could destroy the U.S. from the inside out. <laughs> one one, one camp child at, at a time. time. Yeah. One child at a time. <laughs> Oh, that's dark, bro. <laughs> Taste death, American scum. <laughs> Choke. <laughs> cool. Did you have another story? I do. So that one was just a warm up. I do. I'm, I'm feeling warm. In, in my opinion. So if y'all feeling warm, then I'm ready to share the next one. All right. Oh, let's I like go. this. Okay. So next one. Um, it's about a man and. He is, he's a young man, early 20s, fairly large, 6'2", about 240 pounds, does Aikido. Mm. And from the way he describes it, most of the males in his family are in the same build. All athletic, they've done different martial arts growing up. Mm. The women, though, are all small. His aunt, she is the sole focus of this story. The aunt is 5'4", pushing 110 pounds. So this lady's small. Tiny, bro. This lady's small. But he remembers a time where she was just incredibly angry and pretty much out of control. Dude, and all short people. Am I right, boys? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> this time where she was angry, it was uncontrollable. They tried to speak with her, and it was like all rhetoric, all logic has left. And he doesn't remember a reason why or what may have caused this. Um. But the ants started fighting back against them and getting violent, physically violent. And he says that... Bro, bro, are they like Latina or something? I'll get to that. Okay. He says that it took him and his uncles and his dad to restrain his aunt. Possessed. He said... Parents are dead. (laughs) Sorry. He said that wasn't the hardest part. He said the hardest part was just watching how angry she was and how completely crazy. What was she mad about? She turned. Does it say? No idea. No reason. She was just, you could see her anger and she was lashing out. Um, She's like spitting nonsense. Um, It's just not making sense. So this dude at the time says he didn't believe any of these kind of things, but his grandma, who is a very traditional and native Moroccan, says that she was possessed. He doesn't know what else is it, it is, but he doesn't want to believe it's that, but they run with that. 
So this happens sporadically at random times for no apparent reason for a few months. And each episode, it seems to increase and get worse. She's more angry, still just saying things that they can't really understand, lashing out, taking the men, you know, all of the men to restrain her. Mm-hmm. So finally, the one of the uncles uh, contacts a close friend who had experience in dealing with these kind of things. And he comes over and I guess they're trying to get a diagnosis of, you know, what is actually happening. So this is a long process now where she's angry and possessed. Yeah. Well, they're trying to confirm for sure. Okay. So they bring in this dude who deals with like evil spirits Mm -hmm. and he has a really odd request that I personally have never heard of or seen before. Hmm. And he says, what I need you to do is to prick her finger, dab a drop of blood into a cup of water, and place a cup of water near her, but hidden. So they don't really understand why, but he came all the way to the house, and they've been waiting for this. They're at their wit's end. They don't know what else to do, so they do it. Somehow she cooperates, put, pricks her finger, puts a drop of blood into the cup of water, and then they they hide the cup of water. Mm-hmm. The night's over. They go to bed. They wake up in the morning. They find the cup that they hid in the same room as her where she was sleeping, and they found that the cup was empty. And... The friend who they contracted to come and help said, this is a pretty good sign that she is possessed. I had you prick her finger and put it in the cup of water because, one, I sense that this was a djinn. What do you know about djinns? I know they are an extremely old and original version of the modern day genie. So I know they're like a Middle Eastern spirit. Yeah. And it's the predecessor to like the genie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there's good and bad ones, but this one was, was bad. And he doesn't even describe this as a possession. He describes this as a bonding. So he says that this gin is bonding with your aunt. Oh. So one, I suspected this was a gin. Two, now that the water's gone, we can assume that the djinn drank the water because they like blood and it temporarily satisfies them to have that blood. Hmm. So now that the djinn is a bit suppressed, I suggest you take the next best action. And the next best action is to see an exorcist. And the exorcist that they are told that they should visit isn't where they live. It's in Morocco. And they live in France. (laughs) So getting to this place in Morocco is about 1,500 kilometers of a drive, a six-hour boat ride, and then another 500-kilometer drive. 
So this is a journey on the way there. With a possessed lady. With Mm. a possessed lady. He's sitting in the back seat. The aunt is on his left in the middle. And on the other side of his is his dad. And then the rest of the family members are in the car. And there is one time during their trip where she freaks out and has another episode. They can't do anything. They're in the car. They don't stop. They want to keep going. They want to get to the destination. And they're just like holding her in place until she calms down. Mm-hmm. So they finally get to this town. And the town that they're going to is called Sephro. And I looked this up online. And Sephro looked kind of rural. But there were some beautiful waterfalls and stuff there, too. Um, there wasn't much information I found on that, except that Sephro is notorious for the sorcery that happens. And Morocco apparently has a ton of black magic. It's kind of close to the Ivory Coast. Not kind of close, but... Bro, I've wanted to go to Morocco for a while. I, have, I was like, what the hell's wrong matter with me? They're like, I want to go. I want to go to Morocco too, actually. It looks really beautiful. To be dope. Yeah. And food I've heard is really good too. Yeah, dang. And obviously the sorcery to explore. <laughs> and their yeah. magic is black. I have yeah. a friend uh, from Ghana that I went to college with. And he said the northwest part of Africa, they call it the pregnant part of Africa. Mm. Mm-hmm. That like bulge of the continent. So... Morocco is on the north northwestern part of this pregnant part of Africa, mm-hmm. and the Ivory Coast is on the southern part of the belly, and that's where a lot of voodoo came from. Mm-hmm. So it makes perfect sense to me that Morocco has a lot of black magic and sorcery as well. So this is where, where they're going, um, and they don't want to believe that their friend was right, but they have like no other choice, you know, especially in a desperate time. You tend to go with like, what else are we supposed to do? The simplest solution. Mm-hmm. And that's all they had, you know? So they're in Morocco. They finally get there. They hook up with the person that they've been in contact with this priest who will perform the exorcism. When they meet up with him, he also has a request for them. And he says, Okay, in order for me to help you, I'm going to need you to go into the town and purchase a lamb, an unspotted lamb. And we're going to be sacrificing this lamb. And we're going to need the innards, the intestines of this lamb. And that's what I need you to bring back to me. And he tells them just not to accept anything from strangers, which sounds like common sense. He also says don't eat any food from any strange places. He said in that area, it's common for people to curse things and to transfer those curses through those items or through the food. So he says, just go there, do your thing, come back tomorrow. Damn. So they travel all this way, and the first thing he tells them to do is to go into the town, this creepy town. Here's your quest. Yes. (laughs) Buy a lamb. Yeah, this honestly sounds like a Legend of Zelda or something. Like (laughs) you got to check these things off the quest to, to get to the final plot. Um, they do all of that. They find the lamb. They don't take anything from strangers. 
kill the lamb. They have the intestines. They bring it back. Next day, um, they're all gathered around a table. They lay the aunt flat on the table. And he tells them they don't have to participate, but the more people that do participate, the more it helps with the process of the exorcism. Um, This kid tells himself, I don't want to be a part of this. I'm just going to wait outside. But all of his family <laughs> say they want to be there to help. What a puto, so, bro. <laughs> so he feels bad and doesn't want to be alone. So you don't get Christmas presents this year, bro. <laughs> he, uh, he sits in with them and participates. So they all join hands around their aunt. Their aunt is in the middle. And this, this priest is sitting there with them. And he gets the intestines with his bare hands and he puts it in a bowl and puts it by the head of their aunt. Then he starts to speak. And he speaks in a language that this kid doesn't know. But he know he doesn't understand. But he knows that it's a traditional Arabic and not a dialect of Moroccan. So he doesn't understand, so he's just trying to observe what's going on. And they're sitting there and he's speaking and he's talking, he doesn't know what he's saying. And after time, the rhythm of his speech starts to get faster and he starts to sweat and the ant starts almost writhing on the table, lying down. Her shoulders are turning and she starts grunting like she's in pain, like wincing at certain parts. Her body's moving and kind of contorting And this goes on for a while until the lights go out, at which point it's nighttime Mm -hmm. and they don't see anything except all they hear is the man's voice continuing to speak. So they just hear this voice in the darkness and they hear the ant grunting in pain and it's getting more intense. She's laying there and they're all sitting holding hands in the dark until the priest lets out a scream. And as he screams, the ant screams as well. And they scream until they can't anymore. They're out of breath. And it's dead silent. At which, at that point, they hear footsteps coming closer into the room and the room's getting brighter and it's this person with a lamp and another bowl and it's a woman and she sets down the bowl in front of the priest and they can see with the lamp in her hand the priest is knocked out they look at their aunt the aunt is knocked out as well the woman grabs water and splashes it on the priest's face He wakes up, he grabs, he cups his hands, washes his face, he gets up and he picks up the bowl, the other bowl of intestines and hands it to the father, so the aunt's sister. And he's holding it, he looks at it and from the light he can see that the intestines are now black. Went from bloody and fresh to black. And he tells the father, your aunt is now cured. Take this to the mountain and burn it. 
the demon is in this. And we need to completely finish this by burning these intestines. Nice. So they all go up to the mountain and they burn the intestines. Okay, good. And from that day forward, the ant never had another episode again. But this kid never felt comfortable around his aunt. The aunt gave birth. He was also afraid of her children. Never talked to them. Or if he did, it was short. Never really wanted to engage with her. He just felt eerie every time that he was with her. But I don't blame him. <laughs> <laughs> he says after this whole experience, he said, and in his own words, he said he doesn't believe that spirits can do this. He says he knows that spirits can do that. Oh, so. my. If you were given the opportunity, would you have joined? Or would you join in an exorcism? Yeah. I think so. I think the only way I'd ever do it is to save a loved one. Save a loved one and then... like oh, my yeah, bo- I'm not some rando. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Like you're walking on the street an exorcism and like, bro, you want to see this exorcism in this dark alley? I got some in. holy water on me. I got some garlic. I got a wooden steak. I got a silver bullet. What you bullet. need. What you need. <laughs> no, I would. That's freaking wild, bro. That's a great question. Yeah. yeah. I think that like I could maybe like contribute with like positive energy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know, dude. How does this work? Teach me. I was terrified, bro. Like when the lights go out. And they're sitting there in the darkness just listening to his voice. I have a good imagination and... I could just see that ant like running across the ceiling and stuff. I'd be so scared. <laughs> I'd be a little scared too. That was good. I really freaking like that. That area of the world, um, Africa or like, like Northern Africa, Middle East, India, that's the scariest place to me. Such a huge Equator. blend, huge mm-hmm. blend of like cultures. Right. Seems like old culture. Yeah. Everything's like crossed over almost. Like everything's blended together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you have Asian influences, you have African influences. I have a little bit of European influences right there on the tip of Africa. Yeah. And that's where like, that was like the epicenter of like the world's history. Oh, yeah. And at one point, it, it, it's like all ruled by one people. So there was like a huge crossover of culture and things like that. Mm-hmm. When the Moors invaded Europe, they, I don't know, they got like all the way up past Spain and stuff. I think, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, everyone had like their time to rule. Mm. Like had the Egyptians and then the Romans. And that's a huge time frame that I skipped. But it's like everyone there almost had like their time. So their influence reached far across in that area. And then somebody else came and then everything just mixed together. So like that like. treasure from national treasure, just everyone would take it and make it bigger with their treasure. And it ultimately ended up with the Knights Templar. And you know what? It's exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's in a museum where it belongs. Thanks, Nick Cage. Um, when you think, if I had to like, if I said which culture comes to mind when I say the word magic, which one comes to your mind first? New Orleans. Interesting. Whoa. Um, I thought like old English, like Merlin, 
That's what I thought of. Ooh, that's, that's a good weird. one. I think England and things like that are the last to come to my mind. I think of like Africa, like magic, and I think of like Asian magic. Yeah, no, it's true. But I think an overlooked one, at least in my mind, are the Druids. Yeah, that old, super old Irish. Is that like the area they came from? England, Ireland. Bro, they were into some wild stuff. Yeah, yeah. Were the Druids, were they like followers of like Merlin or something? Uh, I think that Merlin is based off of Druid folklore or something. Maybe. I'm not too What are Druids? Next episode, (laughs) we'll find out about Merlin and his Druidic people. Next episode on Dragon Ball Z. (laughs) (laughs) I got some stories for you guys. Shoot. I got some hitters. Yes, boy. Hell yeah. Okay, you guys have heard of the gold rushes all all along the West Coast, right? Mm -hmm. Where people came across the plains in search of gold and treasure, essentially. Dude, I grew up in Central California, dog. Half of my fourth grade year was the gold rush. That's what we learned about. There you go. And in fact, we did a field trip where we went panning for gold and found gold flakes, and I straight thought, like, I had made it. <laughs> I'm going to cash this in, bro. Well, I, I definitely panned for that fool's gold before as well. <laughs> but, yes, I'm aware of the gold okay. the gold rush. Have you heard of the gold rushes in northern Canada? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Hell no. I don't know. Gold was in glaciers. Dude. <laughs> Early 1900s. There is a very remote place of Canada where lived the Naha Indian tribe. And word had made it back to Seattle at this point that there was gold to be found out in the Canada or the in the Canadian territories. Now, this place was probably a good thousand miles away from Yellowknife, Canada, which is kind of the last city in the central northern Canada area. Before no man's land. Before no man. And basically it is no man's land. Yeah. So it reaches the ears of three brothers, Charlie, Frank, and Willie. And DJ. (laughs) The McLeod brothers in Seattle. They hear the stories of gold to be had in northern Canada, and so they embark on an expedition. They make their way up via ship to Juneau, Alaska, and go across Canada from there to this extremely wild and remote location in Canada. They find this raging river where they've heard that there's gold in the area and they set up camp. They set up camp out in the middle of the wilderness and start panning for gold. And they find the mother load of gold here in this valley out in the middle of the Canadian wilderness. Yo, if you found that much gold, what's the first thing you would do? (laughs) Honestly, I'd get a little nervous because if word gets out that you're finding gold, you're going to you're going to turn up dead, bro. Yeah. Especially back then. Oh, yeah, back then for sure. So, 
I, if if we started if us three as brothers started finding gold, I would be like keeping that under wraps like, for sure. Yeah, no one's going into town. No one's drinking. No one's gonna start spouting off at the mouth because we gotta hide this and like get it out of here. Yeah, but then I'd get a grill. <laughs> you know what my dream is? Huh. To do exactly what you just said, <laughs> a Cuban link chain, <laughs> just to get grilled up. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so that's what I would do with my gold. I'd get like gold ass spurs on my boots. Just all gold, everything. <laughs> gold gold saddle. all my watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would do the same. No, we got to stay low key. Early 1900s, they were probably thinking the same. Honestly, they found this mother load out in the middle of Canada. And they take as much as they can. Now, the easiest way for them, well, the easiest way for them to get that gold back to civilization is to get on the river. So they build some boats out in the wilderness and start loading the gold up on the boats. And they take off. And it's a raging river. Like, they're rapids and waterfalls and all kinds of things. Lions, tigers, bears, oh my. <laughs> yes. And the aha. And the Naha Indian. Oh, Naha. My bad, cousins. Yes. They get to a giant waterfall and go over the waterfall. Their boats are destroyed and they've lost their gold. Uh, Did they lose their lives? They, they All three of them make it out alive. That's even worse. Now, <laughs> they know that they took as much gold as they could but they didn't take it all. So they trek back to where they had set up camp originally and took as much gold that was left, all the gold that was left, which was not nearly as much. And this time they trek back down below the waterfall before launching their boats again. They make it to civilization and obviously they spend their gold how they will as the three brothers and Two of the brothers, Willie and Frank, can't let it go. Charlie's eight, though. Charlie being the oldest and wisest of the three brothers um, is fine with the gold that they have. Frank and Willie have to go back. And so they enlist another man who is a Scotsman who was from Seattle as well at the time to go back to this remote Canadian wilderness to find more gold and they take off. Now this story is told by Charlie because the other two brothers were never found alive again. Mm. Two years after they embark and it's probably a solid six month trip just to get there out there in the, you know, in the wilderness and as remote as it is, back in the early 1900s. So six months probably. Two years after they embark, Charlie decides we have to go find them. Like maybe they're lost. We have to put a search party out or something. Gets together a group to go and find his brothers. They eventually make it out there to where they had originally gone for gold originally. And in their travels, they also pick up additional people, people who can, you know, communicate with the Indian tribes and stuff like that. And they meet up or they 
essentially meet up with the Naha Indians and question, see if there were any other white men that had come through or anything like that. They point them, yeah, they were in that direction. They go further on in the direction that they had uh, instructed, but they had said as well that the place they went was called Dead, Dead Man's Valley, and they believed it to be haunted. They go to this valley, and they find two bodies. They find the body of Frank and the body of Willie, both decapitated. Oh, and just laying in this valley. The Scotsman was never seen again. That bastard. (laughs) And there was no gold this time around either. The Indian tribe believes that it is the haunted beings in this valley that that killed the brothers because they came into this valley that was sacred. The brother believed it was the Scotsman but he also had no explanation for why they would be beheaded or, and not just killed. What about the gold, though? No gold this time around. But, like, the, like they didn't find any gold there? Like, there were no gold deposits? There were no gold deposits that, that they found. Oh. And to my knowledge, there was no, no mining in that area that they had done. That's just where the bodies were dumped or where they were killed and left while they were still traveling. I thought you were going to say that the Indians believed that because of their greed, they couldn't find any more gold or something like that. I don't know. Well, and I'm sure that that's part of their belief system there, but ultimately it was the uh, spirits of the dead men's valley that they believed got him. And and those spirits can manifest in, in the form of giant wolves. However, there were no markings of wolves, but that's what the Indians believed. Maybe the wolves wield swords, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Chopping off heads, bro. And so defeated, Charlie returned to Seattle brotherless. Not as defeated as his brothers. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Charlie's all right. Not as as headless as his brothers. Yeah. What if Charlie killed them? So is that it? It's just like no one knows what happened. Bro. No one ever heard from the Scotsman ever again. Charlie hired the Scotsman. To his kill brothers. his brothers, so he gets all of the gold. They did the find gold, and he took it from them because the Scotsman killed them. Two things. There's still a waterfall with a ton of gold at the bottom of it somewhere up in Canada. I think it was this waterfall. What? <laughs> Don't say it on air in case we have some Canadian. I'm not going Canadian. to say the waterfall. I'm going to show you a picture. Okay, okay. In case we got some Canada listeners. That waterfall is out in the middle of northern Canada. We could do it. People do go rafting up there now, but they don't go anywhere near the waterfall. Okay, so it's a huge waterfall and would be nearly impossible to, to like swim to the bottom of it. We'd have to have hardcore gear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's it's no a way. Giant, giant waterfall. Two. I have another another thing. So last summer, the three of us kind of got obsessed with treasure and real life still hidden treasure. <clears throat> and my friend worked with 
this lady who either was Navajo or worked closely with a lot of Navajo. And she was convinced that there is this old Navajo treasure that is lost in Utah. And she showed my friend on a map exactly where she thinks it is. Why hasn't she gone out there? Because it is cursed. And when she told my white friend, he was like, I don't give a shit. (laughs) And she's like, no, 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 please do not go out there. And he showed me on a map where it was. So I'm just saying, one of these days, we might have to go out there. Go get some treasure. Heck yeah, bro. I'm in. Bro. But that's crazy. That whole story, that's all I heard was like, wait, so there's still treasure out there? (laughs) There's still treasure out there. And it could be that it's haunted by greed of the men that go after it. Could be the cryptid wolves out there that killed the brothers. Or the freaking Scotsman. Rotten Scotsman. (laughs) Yeah. As a fourth Irish... I hate the Scottish. No, just kidding. <laughs> I am Scottish and Irish oh, damn. and English. You conflict and all of those European Dude, put I, together. Irish hate England. Actually, you know what was really funny is because a large percent of me is Irish and Norwegian. And when I went to Iceland, they're like, yeah, Iceland, we're basically all Norwegian and Irish because the, Nor- the uh, Vikings came from Norway, kidnapped all the Irish women and came to this island. <laughs> And you're like, oh, oh yeah, I guess. You are my people. You are my people. (laughs) I related it a lot. Any other thoughts on that story or questions? It's crazy to see people who are discovering new worlds, new civilizations. Sometimes these places were inhabited by indigenous people. Sometimes they weren't. Mm -hmm. But the journals of some of these people, albeit a lot of times really exaggerated, Mm -hmm. but... (laughs) <laughs> at that point in history, it's like you're on the edge of like civilization. Yeah. The dis- known. Discovering. Yeah. Yeah. Unknown mm-hmm. things. So, but it's like the things they saw where there was animals. Like imagine seeing an animal for the first time that you never knew existed. <laughs> that alone is a magical what the creature. F is that? Yeah. 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 Yep. <laughs> Could you imagine seeing an elk? Oh, yeah. They're like 11 feet tall. They're huge. Or yeah. you're out in northern Canada and see a polar bear for the first time. You yeah, just a ghost it. bear. It's just like, this is the spirit the Indians were talking about. Even <laughs> being told about like elephants in like Get that Europe. shit out of my face. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. They're like, there's these huge real. gray creatures. Legs yeah. are like trunks of trees. No, you're lying. It's just like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. That it, it can pull trees out of the ground with like this. Their nose. Space wiener <laughs> thing. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Tell me more. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it was crazy times. I just think like what other places are there? Still? Could we go to? To have that same experience. Are there places that are untouched, things that we haven't seen? You mean today? Yeah. Dude, very little. Yeah. No, the biggest thing that we have on the planet that's unknown is the sea. Yeah, the ocean. Mm-hmm. I think we only know 4% of the ocean. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge, huge portion of like discovery that hasn't been made. And the ocean is 
isn't like two thirds of the earth. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we only know 4% of the two thirds. Yep. So Atlantis is around down there somewhere. Fun. <laughs> Got some exploring to do. Bigger fish <laughs> to fry. There's always a bigger fish. Um, <laughs> I kind of mentioned it last time, but on the Mysterious Universe podcast, they did an episode all about cowboys and dinosaurs and mm-hmm. all the accounts in the journals of like the pioneers and the frontiersmen and their encounters with huge reptile creatures. That's nuts. I know it is. There's like so many, so many things out there. So yeah. Did you ever see that movie Cowboys and Aliens? Yes. <laughs> That's kind of what that reminds me of. Cause like if they're, Alien sightings now. There had to have been alien sightings. Well, then. the guy who wrote Cowboys and Dinosaurs, he wrote another book, Cowboys and Indians, and it's all the accounts from journals of cowboys seeing Indian or er, aliens. Aliens. Okay. Bad. So edit out every time I said Indian and insert <laughs> alien. <laughs> maybe that's what the movie was based off of. It might have been. Maybe. What you got, Charles? Or do you have another? I mean, I do. You want to save it or you want to tell it? So I have two left. One is an ongoing and developing story that's here in Utah, so I will tell it closer to our Halloween episode. (laughs) The other one, in a previous episode, we talked about, do you ever think you've met a serial killer? And we talked about that stat of you've probably walked by, what, 60 in your lifetime or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. I have an account of an actual... Don't tell us. Just tell us. <laughs> okay, so this happened in Utah as well. There, and all names have been redacted for the privacy of this person. So but is this someone you know, bro? This is a real story from someone I know. Ooh. I think this is the first real story we are hearing dude, on this yeah, podcast. For so real, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, what you talking about? So this person is actually the parent of this person that I know. Okay. So this probably is back in the 1970s era. They lived out in one of the uh, smaller towns in Utah, and she played basketball. Their family was going on a family vacation. They were probably going to be gone for a week, but there was a really important basketball game that she had to stay for. So the girl ended up staying in town because she had that game. The first few days that she was alone, really nothing significant happened. But as the days passed, weird and strange things started happening. She came home from school one day and the garage door was open. To her, in her mind, it was like, oh, I just forgot to leave or forgot to close the garage door because mm-hmm. it's kind of like that 1970s era. I feel like they they didn't really pay attention to it as much. And it was like, okay, to Especially be Utah. Yeah. It's like, I'm sure no one locked their doors. Mm, yeah, no, no. Yeah, Our, the whole college town we lived in, Provo. Yeah. Like nobody locks their doors in Provo. When I moved to Utah, I was hardcore Californian, paranoid, locked my doors. No one locked their doors. And I was like, what is we're, going we're not, even, not talking about their bedroom doors. Well, they didn't lock that either. We literally left the door to our front, our house, front open. door, wide open. Yeah. 90% of the time. 
<laughs> Sometimes people walk in. I don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. And, and they we just, just come assume and that they know they somebody some, who lives there. Yeah, one of my roommates. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know some, uh, Archie? Jerobold? <laughs> <laughs> so it really wasn't a big deal. She figured she had forgotten to close it. The next thing that happened was she comes home and her closet light has been left on. Once again, could be coincidence. She just forgot to turn the light off. (laughs) (laughs) Hell no. What are you laughing at? So many coincidences here. Winky dinks, bro. Keep going. Okay, this is my limit though. If I were her, the line is drawn. The next thing that happened is she comes home and finds her underwear drawer has been gone through and is out on the floor. Now, still a coincidence? <laughs> not a coincidence anymore. <laughs> okay. It's serious. Okay. It's serious now. Okay. Um, in this case, though, like she can think of nothing to do than kind of search the house. She searched a little bit, locked the doors, and that was like all that she did. And then she goes to bed. Now, is she home alone? I'm sorry. She's home alone. Her family is still out of town. And she stayed in because of this basketball game. Because of this basketball game that is now over. Um, She goes to bed that night and wakes up in the middle of the night to pitch black. Now, she has a digital clock that should be showing her the time. But there's no light. No light from this digital clock. Now, after laying there for a minute and her eyes starting to adjust, she can actually tell that there's a figure in front of the clock. Now, her first thought was, it's a dog. That's what goes through her mind. And she's still trying to process this in her mind. As she lays there a little bit longer, she can tell it's actually the shape of a man sitting on her bedside table. Now, for some strange reason, all that registers in her mind still is that it's a dog. She can only think it's a dog. That got into the locked house? They got into the... I'm just telling you what I've been told. It's probably just her brain trying to protect herself. Her brain trying to protect herself or something. Mm -hmm. Now, she's still really confused why this dog is in her room. That's also in the shape of a man sitting on her bedside table. And she sits up. As she sits up, the figure stands up. She's still looking at it. He kind of walks to the edge of her bed, looks at her, and says, why aren't you screaming? At that point, she reaches over to her lamp to pull the, the light on. And he leaves the room. There's nothing left in the room. As the light turns on, he's gone. And she gets out of bed and like starts searching for the house. The door's open. Whoever was there is gone. She calls the cops at this point. They check the house. There's no one there. But it appears that someone had been living in the closet, in the back of this big closet. The police mentioned that the community had actually given there had been several complaints in the community of things happening strange things that they couldn't explain and break-ins over the past few weeks now a few days later her family's back in town 
and she's driving with her brothers and they're driving along this road and they see a car on the side of the road that's unmarked and turned off. They kind of pull by it a little slowly. She looks into the car as they pass and sees a few men, but one of them in the passenger seat is clearly to her the man that was in her room. She tells her brothers, they drop her off and instantly go to follow the van. They lose the van in this, in this pursuit. And to this point, no one was ever caught. They followed up with the police department and no one was ever caught. What blows me away most is how her mind told her it was a dog. And I believe that the fact that she did not freak out is why she's still alive. Because the question that the person asked, why are you not screaming, must have been what he was getting off on. He was clearly looking for a reaction. And that reaction did not come. And I think that's that's why, dude. Okay, what town is this? Uh, I can't remember. It's like northern Utah somewhere. Okay, so not here? No, no, not here. It's like north of Salt Lake somewhere. Oh. <laughs> and that's why you lock your doors. We just moved into a new house. Mm-hmm. And every night I lock the, the front door and the garage door. And I don't lock my bedroom door. Do people lock their bedroom door? I do. Any lock I got, <laughs> locked. My bedroom does not have a lock on it right now. Same. That's why I do not That's lock why it. I don't lock my door because I don't have something to lock it with. So this is the first time I've had a bedroom door without a lock. Yeah. And you I need feel to exposed. talk to our landlord, dude. I feel kind of exposed. Yeah. Just go buy a lock, a door night, doorknob. Because <laughs> then stuff happens like this. Yeah. You know, all kinds of dogs and men sitting on your uh, your bedside table. <laughs> There's nothing supernatural about your story, but this scenario is my worst nightmare. It's terrifying. Dude, I already have issues with sleeping. Yeah. And this story didn't help. So <laughs> thanks a lot. I was listening to this story and like my first thought was like if I woke up in the middle of the night... Is going to be pitch black because I wear a sleeping mask. And I could see myself just being like, what's going on? <laughs> Where's the clock? <laughs> Fortunately, I haven't had to deal F, with that dude. yet. I don't know the details, but there's a story of this 13-year-old boy mm-hmm. who wakes up in the middle of the night because he hears a noise. And how the house was laid out, he was on the complete other side of the, like there was three or four rooms in between his and his parents and uh-huh. a hallway. So he was like essentially alone and he wakes up and he doesn't know why he's awake and he looks around, looks at the foot of his bed and there's this pile of clothes at the foot of his bed and he's staring at it. See, that's weird. I don't remember like hanging my jacket on a chair or anything. And the pile of clothes stands up. Hell no. And he's 13 and he's just staring at this man like looming over him. <clears throat> he said they just stared at each other. 
and he jumps out of bed and sprints across the room and he feels the man reach and grab at his shirt. But he somehow slipped out of his shirt because it was like a button-down shirt or something. Oh, nice. And screamed for his dad and he heard like a scuffling and a jump out the window. Dang. But that's like another one that freaking wrecked my sleep. Bro, I'm finna sleep in those rip-off pants and shirts now. <laughs> Detachable. For multiple reasons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you're trying to get sexy. <laughs> like you're trying to murder me. <laughs> Either or, what you want? Yeah. <laughs> I'm preppered. <laughs> that's right. good, dude. Awesome. Let's close. Uh, hell okay. no. Thank you, Sean. I named that story too, by the way. What'd you name it? Sitting by the bed. Oh. Seemed appropriate. How about a... Dog or it's, nah? It's <laughs> dog or nah? <laughs> Hot dog. What's up, dog? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just disrespecting the people told me this story. <laughs> okay, so this story that I'm going to tell today is from another podcast. So there's a podcast called Spooked. And this is from season one, episode nine, called Unholy Water. Yikes. Okay. So this story is about a group of girls who decide to go camping. There's three girls. And they're going camping, I believe, in Arizona in this huge gorge. Nice. The Grand Canyon? Possibly. But anyway, um, they chose this spot because of these really famous hot springs. So they come into camp. Mm -hmm. And how it's situated is the very top of this gorge, there's a small parking lot. Mm -hmm. Park their car there. And they take the one path down the canyon that leads to these hot springs and then past the hot springs is where they're going to camp. Mm-hmm. Now, it, it is like a, a gorge, like a valley. So it's super steep walls, mm-hmm. you know. Anyway, they go in there. There's several people there. They get in the hot springs and they're just enjoying their time chatting and, and meeting a couple of the people who are there. And after a while, they notice a guy had come down and he's not getting in the hot springs. And he's just walking around and he keeps making these rounds, just kind of walking around. Hmm. Slowly, it's getting darker and darker. More and more people are leaving until it's basically just our three girls and this guy. Uh, Still not in the water. Nope. They kind of get the feeling he's waiting until we get out so that he can look at us in our swimsuits. Per is what they said. So they're kind of hanging out on the edge of the hot spring, sort of sitting halfway in and out. Mm -hmm. And this man has a dog with them. And he comes over and he starts trying to make small talk with them. But every question he asked, it's almost like he wasn't waiting for the answer. He would just kind of blankly stare at them like he wasn't hearing them. And while he's doing this, his dog is circling them. And is making tighter and tighter circles. And each time it gets by them, it brushes up against them. So it does this about three or four times. Mm-hmm. 
and comes over and stands right by him. And so he takes out a handkerchief and he wipes it down the length of the dog, folds it up, puts it in his pocket, and he says, I'll see you guys later, and leaves. What? By this time, it's dark. Mm-hmm. When he's gone, they're freaking out. One, it was really weird. <coughs> but two, one of the girls says, that dog is trained to smell us or track us. And they're like, what do we do? What do we do? I don't know. Let's get out of here. So they get out. They're trying to dry off. They run to their tents. And as they're putting their shoes on because they plan on packing and mm-hmm. getting out of there, mm-hmm. they see a flashlight coming down the path. Mm. Keep in mind, they're alone for like 50 to 100 miles around them. Yeah. There's no one. And a flashlight is bouncing down the path towards their tent. As they're like stricken with fear and deciding what to do, they hear a dog barking. Immediately, they all look at each other. They just have their shoes on and they start sprinting away from the path up to their car, (coughs) deeper down into the gorge and canyon. So they're like scrambling over rocks. And this is, you know, a canyon wall. Mm -hmm. And so it's super steep Mm -hmm. and it would like go up hills and then down. And they're just scrambling on like this desert rock, cutting their hands on cactus. It's Mm -hmm. like pitch black. They can only barely see by the moon. Mm -hmm. Um, Frantically, they're scrambling up there. Their hands are getting cut up. And all the while they can hear this dog going insane, barking. And it's getting closer and closer. So after a while of running, it gets to the point where she runs to the top of the hill. And when she gets to the tops of these hills, she just throws her body down because that's like the fastest way she can get down. And she's slamming and cutting and and like things are like tearing into her flesh. But she can hear this dog getting closer. And she said, I always thought when I saw movies that if I were in that situation, I could always find a little more energy and dig a little deeper. She said, in real life, that's not true. After like 20 minutes of sprinting and scrambling, she gets to the point where she can barely get up these hills. And she lies down on the ground. And her friend sobbing and super terrified runs up to her and goes come on we gotta go we gotta go and she starts to tell her friend tell my family i love them tell them i'm sorry and her friend grabs her and picks her up and says i'm not leaving you and so for the rest of the time her friend basically has to hold her and just say over and over let's go we can do it come on we can do this let's go they make to another, like another hill mm-hmm. and they can see way off in the distance, some lights mm-hmm. and her friend says, we just need to get there and they start running and they keep running and keep running and the dog is still right behind them mm-hmm. and every now and then they can hear boots of a man scrambling or stomping behind him. So after what feels like forever 
They make it to the lights and it's a small cabin and they run up to the door and start slamming on the door and a man opens it and when he sees the three of them in the state they're in, he says, come in. So they come in. It's a man and a wife. They tell him what's happening and they turn off all the lights and as they're hiding in the cabin, they see a truck come down the road and it has its brights on and it's looking into every direction and keeps backing up and t- turning a little, backing up and turning and they watch it for a couple hours, look everywhere with its high beams and it finally goes away. In the morning, they call the cops. Cops come down, escort them to their tent mm-hmm. and when they get to their tent, their stuff is open and all their stuff is like everywhere but they can clearly see two men sized boots circling each of their tents. And so for quite a while, this girl was pretty messed up from this. She said she hated what it did to her relationship with the wilderness because she was someone who loved camping. Mm-hmm. But after that, she could, she couldn't even, she couldn't go like on road trips. Mm-hmm. And so for years, um, she did everything she could to mend, mend that and get over it. Um, but eventually a friend of hers suggested, you should go see a psychic. You should go see my psychic. And she was like, what? Like hella skeptical. <laughs> like not really about it, but she decided to go. And so she goes in. She's very guarded, tells as little detail about her life as possible. And the psychic goes, and names the gorge that she was in like out of the blue and she peeks up perks up and listens to her and asks her questions and says like there was a dog she's like yes and she explains what the dog was doing and the psychic says you you thought the dog was there to kill you but actually it was warning you the whole time and encouraging you And she said, when the psychic said that, it just made sense because she always had thought there's no reason the dog didn't catch up. It easily could have caught up. Mm -hmm. But the whole time, it stayed like a little bit behind her and never caught up. Hmm. And the psychic told her it was encouraging you the whole time. It was telling you to keep going and to get away. Bro, I thought of that too during that time. I was like, they were running, running, running. For it sounded like a good while. I was like, why wouldn't this dog catch up? I was like, this dog is a chunk. <laughs> or, <laughs> I don't know, but. Just this uh, pug rolling down the trail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, if you believe this psychic, it was, he was warning or encouraging and helping so those So they think that it was the dog from the one guy? Mm-hmm. Why would then the dog warn them of that guy? Or maybe it was another guy? I don't Maybe he's done this before and the dog didn't, I don't know, just intuitively didn't want him to catch up this time. It's interesting. I don't know. I would be skeptical still. But the scariest thing about the story for me is freaking realizing what that dog is doing as it circles you and rubs up against mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. I would. I would not have deducted that 
<laughs> when I first listened to it, I was like confused. And then the second time it made the rounds, I knew exactly what it was doing. And then it was confirmed when he wiped it with a handkerchief. But if you want a suggestion for a podcast, the spooked series is really cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's different than ours because he gets the people it actually happened to. They're the ones who tell the story. That's cool. So you can hear the story from her mouth Mm. and it's, it's pretty powerful. That's really cool. Not cool though. Um, what did we learn from this? They hiked in, right? Yeah, I think I think they did everything they could. To be honest, besides like having a gun, a, I mean, even like a pocket knife, yeah, would mean you're more prepared. It's not even like for defense; like that's just for in general. Yeah, camping in the wilderness, yeah. Yeah. having a knife, cutting your food, yeah, yeah, first aid. Yeah, all so many. of those things. Yeah, they needed a knife. If they didn't have it, because in my in my head, let's say that happened, I know so many people who would be like, oh, "You're just acting paranoid," you know? What? No, yeah. you need a knife. No, no, no. Like the dogs circling us, and then they leave. I know a lot of people that would um, just say like, "Oh, you're just being paranoid. It's fine. We'll just go to bed. Everything will be fine." That's why it helps to know your circle, your group. Yeah. At least at that time. Know and trust your group. And respect. Yeah. I probably would have been like, nah, there's nothing to worry about. And then if you really were like, actually, I think there's something here. I would know. Okay, well, let's let's leave then. But what if we didn't? What if we just went to bed? <clears throat> Homeboy well, would have come and gutted us. Well, I mean. So one of us would have woke up. Yeah. So one of us would have died. None of us would have. None of you would have been sleeping. Only me. <laughs> you would have been up previous. I'm like, Sean, did you just hear that? He's like, no, because DJ's snoring. <laughs> <laughs> or I have my earplugs in anyways and still can't hear. And your <laughs> night mask. And my night mask. Like, Why is it so dark? Helen guys? Keller at night. <laughs> <laughs> Start running into people and things. Shout out Spooked Podcast for my story. Actually, uh, shout out the uh, Nahani Wild Instagram page because that's where I found that story. Dope. That's sick. Shout out Kanye West. REI Camp Monsters podcast is really entertaining. What is that? So they tell stories of various monsters, like campfire style, but it's dramatized and not necessarily real stories. They're just scary stories. I'm I'm going to listen to that tonight. They've got three episodes out. There's the Bat Squatch, Tahoe Tessie, and... Slide Rock, uh, Slide Rock Monster. All right. It's, it's actually really entertaining. Definitely listen to it. If you have any stories that you'd like to send us, send them to 3ampodcaststories at gmail.com or to our Instagram, 3ampod. And if you're still trying to decide with your friends what it is that you want to watch or by yourself, which is fine, for the ultimate spook experience, check out our Instagram. And we have a list on there of our movies that we suggest for watching. Uh, we have a movie for every day this month. The month is coming to a close. You'll find bolded movies on there. Those are our personal favorites. But yeah, find one you like. Watch on Halloween. You deserve to be spooked. So thanks for listening. Everyone out there, bye, love you, be safe. Trust your gut, watch your back. Thanks for listening. 
Bye. Bro, did you hear what happened last night to Jordan? What happened? Apparently... Ohio is a land of mystery, from missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface to strange phenomenon slicing through her skies, from myths that have evolved around historic events and people to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering what happened. Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app, and let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com The truth about the Haditha massacre has been covered up, but not anymore. I know you know what happened. They went into houses and killed women and children. What are you thinking? What a mess. U.S. Marines murdered innocent civilians in cold blood. And at the center of it all is 25-year-old Sergeant Frank Wooderick and me. Murder in House 2, a new podcast from Crowd Network.